Hello. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me clearly? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. And sorry if you can hear my cat. I heard it was the background. very nice. You know, I wish I had a pet. <laughs> I'm letting. I wish know. I had a pet. I actually, I do have pets. I have a pet. I have pet snails. So oh, they're nice. not as interesting as cats because they barely move, but. <laughs> You're actually scratching my bed right, right now. Hey, can you not do that? Do cats actually <laughs> you? Yeah. For okay. the most part, except when they're why is, grumpy. Why is he so <laughs> I think he just wants to be Aww. held. He likes attention. Already. His name's Aww. Ozzy. Come here. But yeah, how do I pronounce your name? Eris. I always tell people that it's Paris without the P. Paris without the P. I'm trying to say it the way you guys talk. <laughs> I just said to say Paris. Paris? We say Paris. Yeah. Aris. Aris? Yeah, the way Americans speak, it's very lazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like uh, you're rolling your words a little bit. Yeah. I once spoke to this girl from Alabama, and I I could barely understand her. Yeah. um, People who are, like, from the, like, deep south. Yeah. There's, like, a really strong twang to the way they talk. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's like you can talk to somebody and be like, "Yeah, they're from the south." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you see in movies and stuff, you hear about it, but I think because when you're black as well, it's like a different level. Oh yeah, definitely. AAV is like definitely common. Like you can hear it in the way Black Americans speak. Like it's very distinct from the rest of the people in this country. Oh, wow, interesting. Like, other people will like try to copy it, but it, like it just sounds bad. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds it sounds very corny and cringy. Just like, just just talk like you, man. Don't just don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, my name is Ade, by the way. All right, pronounce like adding. No, Ade, A D E. Ade, my bad. Yes. Yeah, that's all right. So. <laughs> okay. Ade, I yes, Ade. Right, my full nice. name is Ade Dolapo, but I don't know. It, that might I be love a, the name. <laughs> a mouthful for you to pronounce, so. You can stick with Ade. Yeah, my full name is Eris Renee Williams. I got a colonizer's last name. Boo. But (laughs) (laughs) I love your name, by the way. And it's nice to meet you. And thank you for inviting me on your podcast. No, no, no. My pleasure. My pleasure. I I don't remember exactly what tweet you sent that inspired me to like, let me actually ask her. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was the fact that you did your card reading and stuff, which we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. But, um... So basically, the whole idea of this podcast is recently I became like a bit of a history nut. And I watch a lot of um, archaeology shows and stuff. And I just, I get really fascinated by the fact that, you know, they see stuff that's like thousands of years old. And it started to make me wonder, like, you know, it would be nice to document like our time for, you know, people from obviously, you know, the the future is going to be digitized now. So it's going to be much easier for people to access stuff like this anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we know bodies, like you know, like you and I. It'd be nice if people actually know what we think, instead of just you know. When you watch the history stuff, it's always like you know, some historian or some politician or you know, some famous person. But you know, they never tell you what the market trader was thinking. Hmm. And I and I thought that would be a very insightful thing to to do for the future, almost like one of those time capsule things they put in the ground for like you know, a hundred years from now or something. Yeah, that is a really cool concept. And, you know, when we're older and have kids, we could go and look back on this. Exactly, exactly. I think that's just the immediate future, but even that would be very fascinating. 
Yeah. Like, imagine your kids are like, you know, 18, 19, you know, who knows what the world would be like by then, be flying cars or something. Yeah, you're just trying to tell them, you know, this is what I was like when I was your age. Yeah, I like this concept. It's very cool. Thank you, thank you very much. So, let's let's get into it. All right. Now, in terms of your, you talked about, you know, the deep south. So, what what area of America do you live in? Um, I live closer to the east coast, um, around like the Gulf of Mexico, like Atlantic Ocean type area. You know, like are you you using using the ocean as your landmark? Yeah, like um, I live kind of closer to the bottom of Louisiana, so it's like right next to the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, it's like I'm at the bottom, like I'm in the deep south. (laughs) Okay, right. I think I'll attach a a map of America to this so people can they can know exactly where. So, what state do you live in? Louisiana. Louisiana, Louisiana. Um, what do I know about Louisiana? I watch a lot of NFL actually, so I do know about the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Louisiana. Louisiana, I know they have a, a party every day, every year. Not every day. Yeah. Every year. Called Mardi Gras. Um, Mardi Gras, that's the one. At the beginning of February. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we have a lot of French ancestry, French culture, and it's like really heavily intertwined in just the name of our state itself, the city, and the way we go about things. There are got mm. some people, you know. It's kind of a dying language, but we also have some people that speak Cajun French. And oh, okay. Mardi Gras is a statewide holiday. Like, literally, schools close for it. Like, it's wow. a really big thing that we do. And we just party for, like, three days straight. Wow. So how long are those schools closed for? Um, I'll say probably around two, three days. So we'll just end up, we usually just end up having, like, a four or five day weekend. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, interesting. So do, do, does your family have any of that French ancestry or just... Um, no, my family is what you consider Cajun. So basically, there's kind of like there's Creole Louisianians and there's Cajun Louisianians. The Creole ones are going to be the ones who have a bit more of a French ancestry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But Cajuns, we have some of that, but it's been watered down as time passed. So we still kind of follow the original traditions. But we don't speak. Most of us don't speak Cajun French, which is why I mentioned that it's a dying language. What what is Cajun about? Is that like a ethnicity, or I only know about the season. <laughs> the season, forgive me. All right, let me think. What's the best way I can describe it? Um, it's really more of an ethnic group, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, the way they originated was a bu- basically a bunch of people migrated from Canada and came down here. And they called themselves the Acadians. And whenever King Louis and his, you know, group of people came down here and claimed the land as their own, French speakers referred to it as Acadia, which is, and, you know, as more people just started claiming that ancestry, generational timelines came down and American language started becoming more lax. It just became Cajun, so that's just how people oh. pronounce it. Oh, because like the American twang on it, basically. Yeah, because of the lazy way we speak. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Okay, okay. So they're actually basically trying to say Arcadia, really, is what they're trying to say. But yeah, they've changed. How come they spell it so weird? They spell K A J U N. What's the, is that wrong or? Hmm. I'm not exactly sure why. Because, like... I mean, maybe that's the season, but the season is spelled that way, isn't it? Yeah, it's spelled C-A-J-U-N. Yeah, where did that come from? That's not even close to Arcadia. I really could not tell you. 
but I just remember taking Louisiana history. It's a required course in like middle school. And oh, okay. that's just kind of how they broke it down to us. But it's also kind of like, where did that come from? You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, that's interesting. See, I grew up in Nigeria. We didn't have regional history stuff like that. That's something I was thinking about recently that would be very cool to have. Like, because Nigeria has like 500 ethnic groups. Well, that's really cool. So it would make sense if we did have stuff like that. But anyway, this is not about me. This is about, this is about you. So what about, well, how, I didn't even know how old you are. Oh, I'm 19. I'm 19. So that's the beauty of the, of the World Wide Web, isn't it? You just meet people and you don't know anything <laughs> about them. Yeah. yeah. Right, you're 19 and you're, are you at you university right now or college? Yeah, or? I'm in college. Oh. Okay. okay, right. Which, which college do you go to? Um, I go to Louisiana State University. Oh, the LSU Tigers. I actually know about Oh, LSU. you know about them? Cool. I know. I, yeah, I know about LSDBU right there. <laughs> LSUDBU. Yeah, kind of yeah. having a rough season, but hopefully. Wait, <laughs> hey, what's, what's what's your record right now? Am my record? No, what's what's the what's LSU's record right now? Um, right now it's three to two, so we're losing oh. more than we're winning. Like, oh. I don't know what's going on, and oh. we're supposed to be playing Alabama. Oh. Like this weekend, but it got Oof. postponed because half the players have COVID. So. <laughs> oh, the COVID, the COVID season. That's that's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, do you guys have any good players this year? I, I'm not really not a college football this year, so I don't really know. No, last year obviously you had you know the amazing season. Yeah, because we had kind of we had Joe Burrow, and he was kind of like the golden boy. That yeah, yeah, he played so so well. He had you know Chase and. Justin Je- Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I watch a lot of NFL. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I do know about some of these things, but yeah. sorry, sorry about that. So, so what's, what's it like? What's LSU like? I don't even know about the football side. Um, LSU is very interesting. Like, it's definitely a super like SEC, all about football centered school. It's like all you hear about all the time. Um, I can say that being there pre-COVID was definitely an eye-opening experience. Um. Mm. A little bit of a drawback of it is that it is a PWI. So as a black student, sometimes you kind of feel out of place in spaces. Like I've had a couple of classes where I was the only black student in there. And there's a so lot what's of... A, what's a PWI? Oh, predominantly white institution. Oh, that's okay, how, right, Yeah, okay. that's how we refer to colleges and universities in the United States that are mostly white. Oh, so, okay. yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to find a space in there. But the black community within the university, I can say, is definitely strongly rooted like we kind of try to stick together despite what's going on there is issues mm-hmm. with racism and microaggressive and right. outward on campus but we just try to combat it the best way we can and just try to make our college experience the best we can really you sound like you sound like you work for the college <laughs> you sound like you work for the, <laughs> the best yeah. we can. so what about your do you live on campus uh no I, oh, okay. just, I do live really close to campus, though. Oh, right, right. Because, yeah, because I, I spoke to some American people that told me about your campus experience is a bit weird of you guys sharing a room or something like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, I was one of those people who was always like, I refuse to stay in the dorm. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Okay, so do you feel like you're getting the, the, like, the full college experience being at home? I didn't go to university myself. But... Yeah, um, not really. Um, this... Right. This semester, I'm doing 100% virtual, and I'm not going to lie, it's kicking my behind. Um, <laughs> it's just not the same. It's not nearly as interactive. Um, I did six classes this semester, and literally maybe one or two of my professors were actually doing Zoom classes. And even then, you know, you're just sitting on a computer screen all day. There's real, no real engagement. It's easy to mm. get distracted. 
you have all these professors just piling work on top of you because they more and more every single day like it's to a point this semester where I literally have assignments to do every single day a test every single week and in their mind they're like oh well they're sitting at home because of COVID they have plenty of time to do this work but it's getting to a point where it's definitely starting to get to the student body I would say in the matters of well-being and mental health like I'm starting to see a lot of my fellow classmates you know considering dropping out resigning Mm. for the semester in fact I'm actually sitting out a semester to take some time off because this semester has just been very overwhelming for me um we've had yeah it's just a really not a good time (laughs) see you've had students you were going to say something about some students yeah they actually sent out some type of mental health assessment to all the students a couple of days ago and was having us fill it out yeah it's just a mess wow sounds great so how does that work sitting out a semester like um the way it works is that you have to formally contact the school's administration and be like hey I'm resigning for a semester, and I'll come back when I'm in a better place. Um, Essentially, resigning is when you just go ahead and quit for the semester without finishing it. I decided to do that because not going to front, my grades were shit. So I was like, okay, (laughs) we're going to resign, and -hmm. we're going to come back. Come back bigger and better. (laughs) We're going to regroup. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's not about the – what's that saying goes about? It's about the bounce back, not the... I don't even remember exactly how it goes now. You get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You get um, what I'm trying to say. I get you. I Come have back stronger. What are you saying? No, sorry. You said it. you have to admit. Yeah, like, it was one of those situations where I just had to really look at myself and be like, okay, Aries, you have to just be honest with yourself. This is not mm. working right now. I have to admit that resigning is definitely a hassling process. Because it also kind of ties into financial aid because, you know, America, the only first world country where you have to spend thousands on education. So when you resign, you're essentially giving up your financial aid if you have it and you have to like file appeals to try to get it back. And the whole process is just so stupid. And I'm like, why? Why do I even have to have financial aid? Here's an idea. Just make college affordable. Exactly. Exactly. I have this this argument with my friend the other day because... I mean, here we have my sister actually had the same problem where she had she tried to apply for university, but she applied quite late. And they ask you the most ridiculous questions because we're immigrants as well. We came here like 11 years ago. So, yeah. So it's not like, you know, automatic, like the same way, like a British person that was born here would. So they ask you so many eligibility questions and she literally couldn't. She was just so stretched because I'm just going to try and do it next year because I don't have time for this. Yeah, like, they make you jump through hoops to get financial aid. So much. Yeah, and it's, like, interacting with people from other countries and, like, hearing their experiences and how much they pay for university, it makes you realize that them making higher education this expensive is definitely a choice. It's not something that they have to do. Definitely, definitely. Like, um, I can tell you, I, like, I wish I was joking when I say this. I know a guy last year, our freshman year at LSU, he had to take out $40,000 in loans for one year at LSU. Huh? 40000 man. Like what, private, like of a, from a bank or something? or? Um, No, we have student, there's like privatized student loan companies. Oh, like, boy. Like corporate Uh-oh. giants. Uh-oh. You know, America, the queens of capitalism. <laughs> oh, my. So, yeah. So, they so were... was that to pay for his tuition or? 
yeah, just to cover his tuition and expenses. And on top of that, LSU charges out-of-state students more. He came here from another state. So he got why, why did they do that? as much. Why did they do that? Is that to discourage people from going out-of-state? Yeah, that's the whole oh, agenda, sure. especially here in Louisiana, because um, opportunity here really isn't the best, like on every scale, higher education, work, like, there's a lot of economic disparity. So yeah. most people who go to college, who like grow up here, mm-hmm. your goal is to get out and not oh, right, So right. <laughs> what they um ended up installing is a financial aid program here called TOPS. And basically what it does is that it covers your tuition for the most part, but you have to stay in Louisiana. And oh. many other states have programs very similar to it. So if you do make the choice to go out of state, yeah, you go somewhere with better opportunity, but it's going to be way more expensive. And, and it essentially traps you in your home state, which right. I think is kind of lame. So how, so like how much is your tuition for, for, this, for, for a year? Um, I'm going to say probably around 10000 I really lucked out because, because I have been in Louisiana my whole life. I got tops and I was considered low income. So I got grants and I got the public. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I ended up getting really lucky. And essentially, I do go to LSU for free. But I know a lot of That's people. Amazing. Yeah, like I'm very blessed to be able to say that. Wow. And I know so many people who have had to take out tens of thousands of dollars of loans just to be here. And I just think that the playing field just isn't even like mm. like it's not fair that someone else is drowning in debt. We're not even in our 20s mm. and owe $50,000 to these major loan companies when I'm going here for free just because I've been in the state my whole life. Like just Plus interest, like, isn't it? Yeah, interest. I think what I'm finding with your system is like, if you're like poor, poor, then support is all right. But if you're just, just above that, then it's hell. Yeah, like, essentially. Like you're better off being like, when you look at like, you know, Obamacare and stuff, if you qualify, then it's beautiful. But if you're just above where you have to pay your premiums and stuff, then it's just so expensive. Yeah, like, I've learned about tuition that the only reason why I was able to get the grants and financial aid that I got is because I was literally poor. But, like, wow. when talking to, like, middle class and upper middle class people, like, people who don't even, whose parents don't even make that much, like, their combined income could probably be, like, 60000 a year. Yeah. Like, our financial aid, like, FAFSA, that's what they call it. FAFSA will look at someone who makes 60000 a year and be like, oh, yeah. You can afford to send your kid to college. Like, no, they can't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that's how it traps you. Even even here, our um, to be fair, here you can you can get the tuition loans no matter what income you are. Really, even if you make like half a million, you probably still could get it if you wanted to. But yeah. um, with the, I think that's probably because they want they want your interest they want your interest payments. Yeah. But yeah. with the um the maintenance, so like you know, for you to like you know go and live at the uni university and stuff, that one is you know means means tested and. The, the 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 what do you call it the like you said the thing is very low like i think when i was applying it was i didn't end up going to university when i was applying it was if you have an household income of 42000 which imagine like both your parents get 21000 a year that's nothing yeah and that means you don't get you get zero in any maintenance loans that's that's ridiculous how can they afford that yeah like it's just not doable it's like they are essentially setting up people, setting people up for failure. Exactly. Like, or to just like, stay trapped in your class, basically. Yeah, because they re- I think America realizes, our government, our system as a whole, they realize that if they make college affordable for everyone, 
then lower income people, first gen students and immigrants have actually have a chance, a real chance at upwards mm-hmm. advancement. Yeah. And that makes the playing field even and gives them less power. So that's why the whole concept of canceling student debt had ne- has never even really been brought to our governmental. Like it's yeah, never been yeah. brought to the table. It's never been discussed. Um, um, I know for a fact that, well, I take that back. It has been discussed, but no one, like no one in higher positions. Yeah, Bernie was talking it about it, wasn't he? Or considers it. People think it's impossible because we're too deep in, like, like, we're yeah, so yeah, I think Bernie mentioned in. something like that about like canceling the debt. Yeah, like our country as a whole has over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. A trillion. Like that is ridiculous. That's why people feel like this can't be fixed because we just we owe too much. But I personally believe that it's never going to get paid off anyway. So exactly, just go exactly. ahead and cancel it. Biden's yeah. actually introducing the concept of it. He, according to his team, and a release. Um, a statement he released recently, he does plan on trying to initiate something to cancel student debt. Hopefully it works out because I know that could free a lot of people from a lot of stress and this financial bondage. Like no one should have to, you know, be $50,000 in debt at 19. Like that's awful. Just because you want an education. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that one thing that a lot of college students here fear is us going through this four-year university system, taking out these loans, and then going out into the workforce and not getting a job in your major. Exactly. I've seen that and heard of that happening to so many people. Yeah. And the and the, the salaries are kind of stagnating now, aren't they? So yeah, it's not even are. as as much, you know, bang for your buck as it used to be. Yeah, and on top of that, we've got inflation going on. Like, the cost of living here just keeps getting higher, but the pay is not raising. Exactly, yeah. It's not, it's not matching. I think I was reading reports today on, I think, home ownership and how that's going to be, like, a major crisis because the houses are just way too... I mean, my friend, he's been... He finished at university two years ago. But he's still living at home, you know. Everyone kind of lives at home. I mean, I don't live at home because I moved out when I was 20. That was because my parents subsidized my rent until like a year and a and a bit ago. So yeah. I was quite lucky in that regard. And most people just can't do that. So, you know, they, they, they just have to stay at home. And, you know, like you said, it's all very calculated. They do it on purpose. You know? Yeah, it really is. Like, I definitely agree with the whole concept about homeownership. Like that market, it's not looking too good for the next decade. A lot of millennials, like people who are about to reach their 30s, like mid twenties are still living with their parents because they can't afford not to. Like college educated people still living with their exactly. parents. Yeah, yeah. So what happens? What do you think is gonna happen with Gen Z? Because we don't, we ain't got money. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> it's just listen, it's it's running dry. But that was that was fascinating. Do you have um? Do you have siblings, by the way? Oh yeah, I have two younger siblings. I have a younger sister. She's seventeen, and a little brother who turned eleven in July. Oh okay, okay. How'd you how'd you get on with her? Um, I get along pretty well with my sister. Um, she's definitely a lot more feisty than me. I'm not saying she's combative, but she's the type she's gonna say what she wants to say, even if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> kind of got an attitude on her, but well, I'm not gonna say an attitude, but like, like she's very feisty. She stands ten toes. Like you're not gonna talk <laughs> to her, treat her any type of way. Yeah, yeah. And like, let you know me, about it. I'm a little more timid. I don't like to rock the boat. But she's like, <laughs> oh no. Like, no, we're not doing this. This boat is getting rocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. So, um, 
I think we were talking earlier about your your card reading. You go tell me about that. How did you get into this? I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a black person into tarot cards. Yeah, um, as ridiculous as it sounds, I actually discovered tarot through YouTube a little over a year ago. I was a freshman at LSU, and on the weekends, whenever I was bored, I would just go on YouTube and just. I've always been one of those people where I always try to look at the things that are unorthodox to me, like, you know, just the random stuff that shows up Mm. on your feed. So Mm -hmm. there was this one girl on here, on there, who I ended up subscribing to, and I had to give it to her. She is the one who inspired me to even start pursuing Tara. Her YouTube channel, her name is Stargirl the Practical Witch, and she used to show up on my trending page a lot. So I decided to click on one of her readings, and I was really intrigued because the way that she does it is that she either lets you pick a pile or she does it based on your zodiac sign. And I would always kind of interact with it. You know, I'll pick piles, you know, use whatever like sign resonated, like like your sun, moon, and rising. And I noticed that the readings were actually resonating. Like wow. I related to them. And I was like, okay, maybe tarot is legit. So I just decided to just take a shot at it and do it for myself. So one day I just went to a bookstore that we have on campus and I just got like, I just got my first tarot deck and I got a simple book, how to read tarot, gave me the basic instructions, how to shuffle cards, how to deal them, the definitions. And I just kept practicing and practicing. I started giving readings to people I knew for free so I could gain more experience. And after doing that for about a year, people like within my inner circle, like close friends were like, Eris, you're too good to be doing this for free. So mm. even though I was kind of like doubting myself, I was like, mm, maybe I'm not completely ready to monetize it. I just decided to just take that leap of faith. And I started doing that about a month ago. And I've had some really good success. Like sometimes there's a bit of stagnation. It's mm-hmm. like kind of hard not to get, you know, frustrated when you don't see results right away. But definitely, I'm really glad definitely. that I started getting into tarot and that I do what I do. I really enjoy, you know, just giving messages to people. You know, I've had people tell me that I like completely touched their lives to like and honestly I can say that this is the first thing I've done in my life that I really feel like I impacted someone in a way so even though it gets tough sometimes and I get frustrated or I feel like I'm not that good at it I just keep going you know mm-hmm. so how does it how does it work exactly like okay so the way that it works is that um, a traditional tarot deck is called Rider Wade it has 52 cards in the deck, and each card has an individual meaning. So what I do when I do a reading is that I tap into my own intuition. Like, I literally mm-hmm. just sit there and breathe, and I ask myself, what does this person need to hear right now? And then mm-hmm. I shuffle the cards a few times, lay them out, and I pull randomly. And as crazy as it sounds, somehow the cards that I pull always match with whatever situation that they're in at the time. Um, it really... I think a major part of tarot is trusting your gut. Intuition is definitely a big one. Um, Just really looking within yourself to help someone else find answers, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. So, so let's say someone came to you, would they like, would you ask them what exactly they're going through first to try and see how that gives the advice you're giving them or like, um, the way it works is that there's different type of readings that I do. Um, you can get a general reading where it just covers whatever, like, spirit says you need to hear at that moment. There's love readings. You can do financial and career. But when it comes to general readings, um, 
I always tend to focus on one subject matter, if that makes sense. Like whether it be focusing on goals or leaving behind past habits and relationships that aren't serving you anymore or dealing with grief. If I like, if I'm reading the cards and I sense a common theme, I'll kind of focus on that. Oh, okay. So how many cards would you pick? Um, I usually do three card spreads, but occasionally some people ask for five. Um, I do something called collective readings where basically I just cover one entire group. Um, Usually it'll be like, I'll do collective readings for fire, water, air, and earth signs. And and those ones I'll usually use like five or six cards so we can be a little more specific. But I've seen tarot spreads go all the way up to 21 cards. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So let's say someone, someone came to you. And then you picked, you know, three cards and then the, the meanings wasn't really exactly like correlating. What do you do with that kind of situation? Um, I've had a couple of situations like those. And personally, I just reshuffle because um, my intuition has a weird way of telling me when a message is off or when I can't really describe it. But it's like if I shuffle the cards and I just feel like it's not right, I'll just reshuffle and try again, honestly, until I find like awesome. a message that I that I feel resonates with that person okay right so what's the what's the background of tarot is it like a i don't want to say sorcery that sounds <laughs> sounds a bit hyperbolic but what's the because i know like for example like you know astrology is like star signs and you know constellations and things what is tarot based on it dates back to around like 15th 16th century renaissance europe um they originally started off as playing cards like they were kind of like put different suits on there and like just do it for fun and be like hey what does this card say about your future and this type of thing and originally mm. it was kind okay, of okay connect to we're back, we're back. Uh, really... sorry can you hear me hmm? yeah but yeah um it started off in europe around the 15th to 16th centuries um and eventually it became one of those things that was kind of closed off really only for wealthy families like as it got more popular they started getting more creative and more artistic with the way that the cards were being presented and they before you knew it they had like these super grand decks that took weeks to paint and rich people would have them and stuff like that oh okay and like because like a lot of people couldn't afford that for the first few centuries that tarot was a known thing um, it like only a privileged, small privileged group of people right. could have them. But as time went on, um, as more cultures, specifically French and Italians, started learning about this, and more artists started saying, "Hey, this is something that I could use as a medium of art." It became more accessible to working class people, and then fast forward to like the 1900s, we get introduced to the right away tarot tarot cards and it was created literally by a british occultist named arthur Waite, and he was like hey this is cool i want to make it more accessible for everyone so he collabed with some other artists and they came together to form the deck we know today as rider Waite. that's what you would call the quote-unquote traditional tarot deck that's the format that pretty much all of them uses Which is crazy to think that even though that this dates back centuries, in a matter of one century, this guy who decided to just try something new completely took over the industry and created a whole new deck 
like a whole new format. Like that's really yeah, cool. That is quite revolutionary and yeah, makes sense of making it accessible. I, I do like that kind of concept of bringing it to the masses. So, like, if I wanted to get into it, how would I do? I would just like buy the cards. Yeah, you can literally just go and buy. I always tell people you can just go and buy a deck. Um, if you want, there's articles online that'll show you how to do it. If you're like me and prefer, you know, hands-on, like I prefer like flipping the pages and really reading mm-hmm. it for myself. But there's literally YouTubers, blogs. There's so much because we have so much access to information. I truly believe that anybody who wants to learn how to do tarot can do it. Um, it takes a little bit of time. You have to be a little patient. And you definitely have to develop your intuition to do so. But I think I pretty much had it down packed within around five, six months. And if you feel like you're ready, you can start giving readings to other people. And if those readings are resonating with other people and they feel like you're good at what you do, then don't be afraid to monetize your skills if you feel like you're ready. There are a lot of more... I'm going to say veteran readers who argue that you should spend a couple years reading, uh, practicing. Like I saw one person say you need to practice for like three years before you can start doing it. Uh And I was like, uh, (laughs) no, (laughs) like I personally do not agree with that. But, and even if you don't want to monetize your skills, if this is something you enjoy doing, giving yourself readings and that's fine too. You don't have to monetize it if you don't want to, but it's definitely something that anybody could participate in or do. It's not a closed practice at all. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe my audience will get into that now you said that. Get into some tarot reading. Now, let's get into some of the information for the day. You, you have a new president in your country, although I guess Trump says different. <laughs> Trump, begs, Trump begs the difference. Yeah. Trump's in denial. <laughs> Do you have a, you know, are you, are you into politics? Um, Somewhat. Um, I try to be. I try to engage in them on an entry level because as a black woman, I know that the policies that they enforce and introduce are going to inherently affect my my life. For the most part, I try not to engage in all the, every single civil engagement, but the past couple of years have taught me that it's really important to know what's going on on a political level, not just on a national level, but also at a state and local because- like a lot of people don't realize, especially here in America, that the government in your city and state will affect you more than what the president does 100%. ever will. Yeah. So, yeah, like per ex- uh, per example, recently here in Louisiana, during the election, while we voted for a president, we also had to vote on something called Amendment One, and Amendment One, basically the writing of it is that it essentially bans abortion rights it doesn't ban abortion as Mm -hmm. a collective but it does say if you get an abortion that's on you that's your choice it is not louisiana's government's obligation to provide it for you and we're not paying for it so this is one of those situations where i realized like hey this directly affects me i need to you know make sure i know what's going on so a lot of people i'm definitely going to say specifically Gen Z and millennials here in Louisiana, in the more liberal cities, we really did the best we could advocating against Amendment 1, telling people to vote no, making sure that people understood the format of it, because they kind of purposely worded it confusingly. Mm. So, like, you would kind of think, oh, I'm voting yes for abortion rights when you're really voting yes (laughs) to ban them. But all in all, because this is a very redneck, conservative Mm -hmm. state, 
Trump won the state by a landslide. Um, yeah, eventually the vote for Amendment 1 went from... Um, the results were about 65% yes and 35% no. So 65% of people in Louisiana said that we don't need abortion rights, so we don't have them now. And they've been protesting at the Capitol for about a week, but I don't think this no, because be they're gonna argue. You know, yeah, he had a chance. <laughs> yeah, and it's insane because all these people down here claim to be so pro-life, but we have, first of all, over two thousand kids. Yeah, we have over two thousand state kids in this state waiting to be adopted. We have some of the worst health care, worst air quality, worst educational opportunities in the country. And at one point, the state was a prison capital. So it's like, y'all. And also, we also have a lot of issues with racism and police brutality here. We literally just had a kid in this state get lynched. Like, last week, he was 15. And it's just insane to me that all these people are saying, yeah, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life. No, you're just pro-birth. Because when these kids actually go out into the real world and they need a home, they need protection from law enforcement, they need education, y'all are nowhere to be found. Yeah, you're pro-life until the kid is black or an immigrant. You're pro-life until the kid is poor. Like, exactly, very backwards exactly. to me. Did you, did you vote in, by mail or did you vote I voted in person? In person. I, was, I was accused and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, the line was super long. They purposely make voting a strenuous process here for obvious reasons. I think that this year especially is with the presidential election, people were able to see at a global scale just how bad voter suppression is in this country. Um, I'm not sure if you heard about the whole thing with Trump and the postal service yeah, here. Yeah, I heard about but that. He, yeah, he purposely screwed them over. Um, at one point, over 200,000 ballots were missing. Jeez. So an election, the presidential election, so we vote on a Tuesday, right? The first Tuesday yeah. of November. So they usually have the results by Wednesday morning because ballots were missing and at one polling station in Georgia like a pipe burst and a, like so much stuff weird stuff that was going wrong that happened to go wrong on election day <laughs> <laughs> a process that was supposed to have results by the end of the night ended up taking five days we did not get confirmation that Biden had won we voted on Tuesday we're supposed to get the results Wednesday morning yeah. right we didn't get confirmation that Biden had officially run the race until Saturday morning. Yeah, I think everyone, I remember, yeah, I remember everyone was waiting around with bated breath, you know, waiting for the election to be called. And he, I mean, it did seem for a while like he was going to eventually win because he was far ahead, but they were taking this good yeah. time about it, you know? Yeah, a part of me feels like they were just trying to drag it on to see if Trump would catch up, but he didn't. He lost the popular vote as well as the electoral vote. Well, so. I think. That just goes to show that even though it was kind of by a slim number, Americans were we were ready for him to go. Well, I mean, Trump, Trump, he's not he's not accepting the results. He's saying it's it's, it's rigged or something. What's he saying? Mail fraud, voter yeah, fraud. He, yeah, when he purposely defunded the USPS so people couldn't mail in votes annually, like it, like it's kind of hilarious to me. Like, dude, you tried to stump the system and you still lost. <laughs> Like, that's how much we hate you. But, <laughs> but yeah, he's on Twitter ranting now saying that we need to recount the ballots and all type of stuff. And, you know, of course, his delusional followers are on there, his supporters on there saying the same thing. He actually tweeted something a couple, like, two days ago saying 
oh, we won, we won, and everybody was like, you lost. <laughs> you literally lost. <laughs> he has a different reality like, to everyone else. A, yeah, he's a, it's such a state of denial, but as terrible as Trump's presidency was, a part of me felt like, not necessarily that it needed to happen, but because it happened, people can see America exactly for oh, what it yeah. is. People who live here kind of live in this delusion mm. that we're progressive mm. in our policies, but we're not. White supremacy is still very much a big issue here. And, I mean, look at our military. We literally go overseas and, like, just destroy countries for oil, for material gain. So Very, very grotesque. Um, yeah, a couple of, I don't know, the past couple of years, growing up under, not necessarily growing up, but reaching adulthood under Trump's administration made me realize a lot of things that this country needs to work on or sometimes I think maybe this is just the way it was founded upon, seeing that it was founded upon genocide mm. and just, you know, just screwing people over, you know, violence, all that type yeah. of things. Um, sometimes I just get into a mode where it's like, maybe this country isn't going to change and I need to just cut my losses. But yeah, Trump's administration, it definitely took a lot of people's masks off. Like America is not the perfect utopia of opportunity that people present to be. Most definitely. Especially if you're an immigrant, person of color, queer, any type of marginalized mm. group. Wow. So what's your, what are your, like, top political issues then? Do you have any, like, you know, go-to issues that you're super, super interested in? Like, when you vote, that's really what you think about. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I'll just give you my top three. Um, first off, economic disparity um the whole concept of trickle down economics is bs um i'm sure you saw how jeff bezos got billions of dollars mm. richer in in a pandemic but he has workers literally collapsing on the job because they're being overworked like why are you and on top of that all these major corporations like amazon and netflix and walmart they're getting major tax breaks major tax breaks while the taxes for middle and low class people are staying the same. And like, it's to a point now where I noticed that at a job that I was working this year that I was losing around like 20 to 25% of my check. And I was like, why am I paying a higher tax rate than billions? Well, 25%. So what's your tax rate? So they, they do take the taxes out, you know, once you, before you get like, like pay as you earn. So you guys have to file your taxes yeah. every, like at the end of the year or something. What's that about? Yeah, the way it works is that you pay sales tax, depending on every state has a different amount of sales tax you pay. And on top of that, you pay your regular taxes and it's deducted from every paycheck you get. Um, around the winter time, like January, February, we file something called a tax return and we have to submit everything we made at our jobs and how much we paid in taxes. And we get something called a tax return. For me, it's usually a couple hundred dollars, but it's oh, like, a tax refund. Oh, uh, see, that's, that's yeah. So it's like we get see, a refund, you, see, but it's that, like a that's fraction of what we pay in taxes. Because hey, you don't have to do that. It's just automatically done. Yeah, we have to file it, which is just another form of suppression. Not everybody has access to printers or tax services. A lot of people don't even know the process of filing it. Like I remember, because like I didn't have like. My parents weren't really in the space where they could teach me how to do those type right. of things. So literally, when the first time I filed my taxes, I just had to sit on an app and just teach myself how to do it. Like, it's definitely suppression at its finest. If you wanted to give us our money back, you would. And even you would just do it. It wouldn't be any of these ridiculous processes. And on top of that, the refunds we get back are a fraction of what we pay in taxes. 
And the sales tax in this country, for the most part, is ridiculous. I mean, specifically in Louisiana, it's 10%. So what, what is sales tax about? What does that mean? Um, you pay tax on, on pretty much everything you buy. So if I go into a store and I buy something for $100 yeah. here in Louisiana, if the sales tax is 10%, 10% of 100 is $10. So I don't pay $100. I pay $110. Wait, what? Is that on yeah. like specific items or on everything? Everything. Even like food and stuff. Yeah. What? We just passed a law here to get them to stop selling, to stop putting taxes on feminine care products. And I was like, why was there ever a tax on feminine Wait, care so products? Wait, so you're telling me there's taxes on food? Yeah, like everything we buy has sales tax. I think the only state here that doesn't have sales tax is Delaware, which is like way up north, like by Canada, right. really. Um. Yeah, I visited there a couple years ago, and I bought something from a store, and I remember being astounded. I was there with my aunt, because she was out there on business, and I was astounded when I looked at my receipt, and there was no tax, and I asked her about it, and she was like, yeah, they don't do that. I was Wait, like... That's, a, that, that's so confusing what? to me. I've never heard that before. Like, but I know yeah, about VAT. Um, yeah, this country, they, they run our pockets, wow. man. <laughs> Even when you purchase stuff online or sales tax. On top of shipping. See, see, what we hear about America here is that, you know, their taxes, that's what the right wing tell us, that, oh, their taxes are so low and we're wasting all our taxes here for universal programs. We should reduce our taxes and cut the programs away. So you guys pay taxes to buy stuff? Yeah, like, we pay taxes on everything we purchase. Wow. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And on... And basically, based on what I've seen on a local scale, I've been in Louisiana my whole life. And, like, I love being from here. Like, I love the culture. Like, I'm proud to say I'm a Louisianian. But one thing I can say is that the amount of money I spend paying taxes here is not matching the progress. Yeah, it's not, you're, it's not getting, not. Yeah, you're not getting Our the value. education system still needs Yeah, um, our education and healthcare systems are still some of the worst rated in the country. And it's frustrating because it's like, I'm giving all this money, but where is it going? It's going in politicians' pockets. Wow. And that ties into my whole issue with economic disparity in this country. You expect people who already don't have that much to give so much while you guys like just sit on your high horse and do nothing to make our lives even remotely better. Like, why are we, what are we doing this for? And then, like, there's so many stipulations that come with taxes. Like, if you go too long without filing them, you can get in trouble. If you give false information, you can go to jail. And it's, like, what? so stupid. Like, you're already... Y'all are already rich. Like, they just take, take, take and give insane. nothing. See, oh, my days. That's insane. I, I just, just... Yeah, I mean, the whole wealth inequality stuff, honestly, is is, is very depressing. Because it's, it's totally unnecessary yeah. as well, but... What can we do, man? What can we do? So you so you voted personally. Did you vote all the down ballots as well, or just like a few of them? Um, yeah, I voted um for everything that was on the ballot. I had to vote for presidency. I voted for Biden, and I had to vote for local elections. And there were a couple of things within Louisiana and my city that I had to vote for, such as Amendment One. There was one amendment about giving corporations tax breaks here in Louisiana. I voted no on that. And interestingly enough, there was one vote where in my city we voted to legalize gambling on on football games so uh-huh. 
Yeah, when I saw that on the ballot, I was like, I'll just vote yes for it because like, why, why, why not? Like, why is it? Yeah, I was gonna say, why, was I, why was I illegal? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, we also have a runoff for the mayor of our city. Um, I'm not sure how it works in the UK, but the way it works is that in here, like in our governmental systems, the leader of a city is a mayor, and like the state's leader is a governor. So in my city, we voted for a mayor. And I voted for the woman that we currently have in office. I feel like she's doing a pretty good job, but she is actually getting sent to a runoff with some white Republican in our city with no political experience. Like he's just like a businessman. He's like, it's like if Trump tried to be mayor <laughs> of the city. So we have to go back and vote again on December 5th. And right now, like a lot of people specifically in my generation are trying to encourage people to re-elect the mayor that we have now because that is the last thing we need. And it's just insane to me that despite all that is happening in our country, in our state, people are still choosing people who do not want progress. It's I think there's a kind of Stockholm syndrome that's going on where people genuinely, you know, like they've bought into that as well. And their number one thing, I'll have friends, you know, I have one of my friends I always debate personally. And he's got into a lot of this, sadly, a lot of this right-wing nonsense. And he's always watching Prager University and, you know, all those rags. And, you know, he's always saying stuff that's like, I I always think like to a, you know, a a thinking person, they sound so ridiculous. But to them, they genuinely believe this. Like, we're talking about um, minimum wages and stuff like that. And I was saying, you know, like, when a minimum wage was was first introduced, the whole plan was that it would be rising every year because obviously cost of living is going up. And, like, if you actually go with those yeah. rises and, like, productivity and stuff, it should be around £22. And he was like, £22? How can anyone afford to pay that? This is a go bankrupt. Blah, 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 blah. And then I sent him an article of Denmark paying that. And I was like, don't you just feel embarrassed? You're defending a system like this when those people already have it. If they ha- How come they can have it and we can't? Like, it's not yeah, like, like, like the government, like, the government and system, like, it, in place... They're just greedy and like you're just bootlegging. Exactly, like, you're you just, just look stupid. Like you really think they can't afford? They you really think they can't afford twenty two pounds? Like here in America, our federal minimum wage, like for the whole country, is seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour. It's immoral. Like that's terrible. That's nothing. That means if I work a full time job, when I take away taxes, if I work a full forty hours in a week with minimum wage here. After they take away taxes, I'll probably walk away with a, like two hundred fifty dollars. That's how people are working full time jobs here and are still in poverty. It's it's very depressing. What about your? Okay, so let's let's, let's, let's coming to towards the end. That was very um enlightening. In terms of this is an archive. This is yeah. we're talking of we're speaking to the future here. What would you like yes. to tell your future? I don't want to say future self, but I mean, possibly future self, you know, but children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, if our, you know, if our planet still exists, you know, you, if, our, if our civilization still exists by um, then, what would you like to tell them about yourself, yeah, what kind of person you are? Um, the type of person I am, um, I just try to see everything from a broader perspective and try to see things for what they are. Um, one thing I can say I would like to do more is be more active and fighting against these type of mm. policies. But the best thing I can tell future generations is that if you've witnessed injustice 
in any type of on any type of scale, please speak up. Even if you're not out protesting in the streets, just spread the word because everybody's life matters. Everyone's everyone's existence has some type of value. Even though American individualism teaches us otherwise, they do. So just continue to fight for what you believe in and fight for other people who can't fight for themselves. Speak for other people who can't speak for themselves. Because even if you feel like you're not making an impact, there's some there's somebody out there watching who sees you. And and they have hope because of that. So that's the best wow. thing I could say. That is a beautiful message. I love I love I love a message like that because you're talking about humanity because even when you know I know it sounds a bit cliche when people talk about oh let's put politics aside. But when you do do that, you know, humanity is always a good thing yeah. to center your you know, your your beliefs on, isn't it? Like, you know, what what, what works best for everyone, you know? What's yes. I, I like that. I like that. That's a very um, humbling message. I, I I mean I would say a lot of stuff you post, I do like it because sometimes, you know, like you said, you, you never know how what you say can impact someone. So you can be in a mood sometimes where you read something someone says and it just touches you nicely. So that is yeah. a very um very nice message, you know. So imagine if our future... Because I, you know, I was thinking, actually, like, we don't realise how um, pointless it is in terms of our existence. Like, we can't remember our great-great-grandparents. And they only lived, like, you know, 100 and something, 20 years ago or something like that. Not even that long ago. So think about it. In 120 yeah. years, their existence is basically, like, irrelevant. <laughs> like, like, no one even knows. Like, no one cares. No one knows. No one, you know, it's just like empty like i couldn't tell you what you know what their names were anything about them what they thought any you know they're just gone yeah which is yeah which is insane because i see it on a perspective that they came here before us and they probably endured more than me so i kind of wish that people would value their experiences exactly exactly and i feel like that's why it's you know i started this you know to document that because I think it is very important, you know, especially for us, you know, common people to have that, you know, if I could, you know, if I could listen to like, you know, clips of people talking about, you know, what was going on in their time from, you know, the 1800s, 1850, that would be amazing, you know. Yeah. Especially the day-to-day minutia, which can seem a bit irrelevant, but it's a lot more interesting when, you know, 100 years from now. You know, just us, us talking about, you know, your university system and, you know, tarot cards and all that kind of stuff you know that's something like you know it seems a bit like you know minor but someone in 150 years from now when they have like flying cars and all these sorts of gadgety stuff yeah like i'm hoping that decades or centuries from now people can listen to this and think wow y'all had to pay <laughs> exactly. i mean hopefully hopefully we free then maybe maybe by that time you have to give your liver or something to go you have yeah. to you know have you seen those things in the news i've read the other day where they talk about how you can like sell a part of your future or something to go to college to these corporations that like, you sell your those like your basically stocks in yourself securities in yourself or something. Yeah, I saw live up that, and it's essentially like selling oh your life, God. which I think, like, how did capitalism oh become this God. bad? Like, it makes you just think, oh my God, this is we're regressing. We're getting worse. Oh yeah, my God, it's depressing. Bro. You know, speaking of when you talk about um paying for college, I was saying to my friend like. Because he was saying, because here, yeah, everyone gets a student loan, isn't it, if you're eligible. And he was saying, like, oh, it's not even that yeah. expensive, and the government give you money for it anyway. I was like, you do realize it was free, like, 20 years ago, right? How does it cost now and it was free yeah, before? Like, That's regression. 
Yeah, I'll never forget my senior year of high school. I had this um, teacher. I had a math teacher, and she was a boomer. She was an older lady. And we were explaining to her, like, she was kind of curious about the process of us applying for colleges because we were at the time. And we started bringing up tuition, and we were like, this is the school I want to go to, but it costs this, this much. I don't know if I can go. And she was like, what? It costs $200 a year when I went. I was like, huh? <laughs> it's, um... Like, it's depressing. <laughs> the, the amount of money they've they've looted from us, it, it's quite it's quite depressing. Yeah. But um, I really really enjoyed this conversation. I'm I'm happy we did it. So did I. Will, I. I don't really do that much editing on my podcast because first of all, I'm very bad with technology anyway. So, <laughs> so I'll probably add some intro and <laughs> outro music. Do you, do you ever wonder what he's thinking? All the time. Like, just just look in his eyes. Like, I wonder what you're thinking of what's going on in the world right now. What's your thoughts, Ozzy? What do you What do you think? <laughs> that's that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I see like you know stuff about you know let's say like so that was my conversation with Iris Williams beautiful name by the way talking about tarot and LSU go Tigers everything in between very very interesting stuff and um, I hope to be doing more of this learning more about how people live oddly enough all the people I speak to in America actually I think barring one they all lived in the south. Maybe try and get some some northerners in there, some westerners. Um, I hope to speak to you guys soon. Enjoy.